You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. So this is what we've talked about so far in 2 Timothy. We use the general theme over 2 Timothy is hold it high, guard it well, and pass it on. We've talked about the first Sunday is that gifts are not automatic, that you have to fan the flame. If you don't fan it, it's not going to flame. So week two, we talked about strengthening your resolve. And we said that a life committed to Jesus Christ, you're going to have to pay a price if you're going to live that life. And Paul asked him to join me in this. We talked about courage. It's not possible without standing on biblical, strong biblical principles and convictions. That there are forces at work. You know, I, I think it's funny even today with the power going out. Well, that was the devil. It very well could have been. I mean, a lot of people didn't come to church today. And, you know, did we just cancel, cancel, can? I mean, hey, thank God for Lodi, right? I mean, here, here we are. Are we able to do this and still get it out? Who knows why all this happens? But we talked about last week question, last question was, how secure is the deposit of truth that is in you? So have your Bibles or smartphone devices. We're going to be in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, just the first seven verses that read like this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similar, simil, you say it. Thank you. I get tongue-tied on that all the time. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's not saying, Timothy, you need more of God. He's saying, Timothy, be strong in the grace that you already know. The things that are already there for you, be strong in those things. I mean, interesting to be strong. My thought instantly went, be strong and courageous, because that was what God told Joshua. That, that's the thing that is most commanded throughout the Scriptures. Do not fear. Be strong. And t- he's telling his son Timothy, again, this be strong, it literally means keep on being empowered. Which is a great illustration, because I wrote down here, it's like electricity in your house. When it's flowing, you plug into it. All right? I mean... Or church, you would think, all right? But see, in my house, the power's going there, but I have to flip a switch. I have to plug into it for it to run through whatever I'm trying to run. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Be ever empowered. Allow this this power to flow through you, and this power he's talking about is the grace of God, the grace that is in Jesus Christ. 
Now, we talk about grace. We throw away grace. I've been saved by grace. and I, We come with acrostics, God's riches at Christ's expense. We can talk about grace. He's wanting him to grow in that. He's wanting to understand. It's not just that Jesus saved you from your sin. It's, it's much more deeper than that. And he's telling Timothy, who's been traveling with him for 20 years, you need to continue to grow, continue to be strong in this thing we call grace. I'm going to use some big words here. Because grace is kind of a combination of the big word justification and sanctification. Justification is this. It's an act of God whereby he pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of the sinner's faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing based on what he has done. It's truly that I have received, I have accepted his sacrifice, the forgiveness of my sin. Therefore, when God sees me, I am justified before him because of what Christ did on the cross. Nothing that I bring to the game. That's the beginning of grace, and that's where sanctification comes in, because sanctification is an act that is both past, present, and future. That's why I can say I was saved on November 16th, a long, 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 long time ago. I am being saved on this day, and I will be saved someday. I was sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart, to be set holy. On that day, when I received justification, I was also sanctified at that moment, set apart and holy. But God is in the process now of sanctifying me. So it's this experience, experiential sanctification where I'm growing in that. I'm still growing in God. I'm still understanding my sins. I'm still seeing just the depth of his grace. I'm still growing in that after 40 years of following Jesus. But someday I will be glorified and finally sanctified before him on that day I see him. And so this sanctification is growing. And so he's saying, Timothy, I want you to grow in all of this. Never lose sight of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God promises to do. Be strong in that because that is going to help you be what I'm asking you to be. That is going to help you that if you're committed to Jesus, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. And so what he says here, because we belong to Jesus Christ, we are continually in the sphere of his grace. But the blessings, the blessings, the blessings to enjoy come when I'm obedient to Jesus Christ. So it's a two-part. I can do nothing to bring salvation to myself, but I in, truly understand that grace when I obey what he says because that gives me the blessings that are involved with his grace. 2 Timothy 2.2 goes on to say, And the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, Timothy, you've heard me preach for 20 years all over Asia Minor. How many sermons have you heard from me? But in the midst of this, all those things you've heard, entrust them to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul's in prison. He knows his time is soon to end. And so therefore, he's saying and worrying, what is the future? What is the church going to look like? Timothy, I need to take all that I've been teaching you, all that... I have entrusted to you, and I need you to pass that on. 
There's the part of the theme, fold it, guard it, and pass it on. I need you to take that. I, you were not blessed just to be a sponge and just hold it in all on your own. This was not just meant for you. Yes, you are to grow, but it also meant for you to pass that on. Remember, hold it high, guard it well, pass it on. Timothy, I need you to pass this. And ultimately, guys, we are stewards of a spiritual treasure that God has given us. It's our responsibility to pass that on. That good deposit that we are to guard is not meant that no one else can see this. It's all mine. It's meant to be passed on. Um, last night, Jeff and I had a gig at a 50th wedding anniversary for the McDonald's. Now, they used to be a part of our congregation. They're up in Tahoe now, Tahoe area. And we were blessed to be able to play for it. Here's 50 years that they are celebrating. And the kids got up, and the kids talk about just how much they've been blessed by their example and what they taught them. I, was, I wrote a song about Dale McDonald's parents because at the wedding of one of his children, there is his folks who had been married over 60 years. They're dancing on the dance floor, and a whole song dedicated to them. And just the gentleness that he held with her because her mind was starting to slip away. And just the wisdom that he extended to me, which was the basis of the song, to hear Dale say, that's what I learned from my dad. That's what he passed on. Not just my relationship with Jesus Christ, but he passed on how to love and care for a wife. And then you see the grandkids up there talking about how they've been passed on from mom and dad, how to love and care. And you've seen this passing on from parent to kids to grandparents. That's the way it's supposed to be, this passing on. This, and he's saying, guys, that's what has been entrusted to you, Timothy. It's not just for you to hold on to it. It is there for you to pass the zone. And this word entrusted, he's already used twice. I, I've entrusted my salvation on that day to Jesus that see me through. I'm entrusting you, Timothy. This good news has been entrusted to you by God. It's been deposited to, to guard it. But now he's saying, now you need to take that which has been entrusted to you, this teaching, and pass it on to others. And this is beyond sharing your faith. It's something that we, we, we need to do all the time. This is taking that knowledge about God and then passing it on to this generation so they can pass it on to the next generation. That's why we do things like Growing Strong. Growing Strong is there to not just teach you how to share your faith, it's to grow you up to the point where you're going to pass this on to somebody else. I mean, myself, man, Bob Lehman, Mike Bogart poured themselves into me, but I knew early on that it wasn't meant to keep with keep with me. As a matter of fact, two weeks into Growing Strong that we were going through, he says, Tim, I want you to take so-and-so through this. I go, wait, 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 wait. I'm only two weeks into this. I just have a Bible that says, stay ahead then. I mean, it was just just chast challenge. You just don't let them catch up. All right? Because I was farther than they were. That's our goal is to pass this on. Take, Don't just hold it and say this is mine. It's meant to share it. That's what the journey's about. That's what, I mean, all these things that we're doing is discipleship that you grow in your faith, but in order to pass it on to your kids, your grandkids, to your friends. He goes on to say, verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Again, guys, you don't go too far into Timothy where you see this theme going. If you're going to live a committed life, hardship's going to come. And again, he says, Timothy, endure hardships. Suffer. You're going to have suffer. And this, the way it's written is not, not suffer by yourself. It's to suffer together. And I'm telling you guys, God's number one priority is not for your comfort. God's number one priority in you is to grow you up to be like Jesus. And someone says, oh, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Oh, really? You, you, you want to be like Jesus? I know you went to oh, blessings, and man, he did miracles. He walked on water. Yeah. He also suffered and died. So do you really want to be like Jesus? God's desire is not to make you comfortable. It is to help you grow up, period. I mean, not that there's comfort, not that we can't be comfortable, not that there's blessings along the way. But I'm going to keep saying this. God did not promise to keep you from suffering. What he did promise is to help you endure it while you walk through it. Endure hardships, verse 3 says, like a good soldier. Now again, we can think of soldiers. We have soldiers sitting right here. We can think of, in Paul's day, they were everywhere. The Roman soldiers were everywhere. And they carried with them this, I'm not going to talk about the negative part, they carried with them this idea, and that's why he said, be like a good soldier. You've seen the soldiers. They're dedicated. That they're, they're there for a reason. It's not a you know, punch-a-clock job. You're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and your job is to serve your commanding officer. I need you to be a good soldier, but for Jesus Christ. When he talks about here that, guys, Christians... Many times we, we may fall into, and this may be, you know, I, usually at this time I would say in the first service, those second service people, but we got a mixture of everybody here, so I, I can't say that. Being a Christian is not trying to find the least common denominator or the, trying to do minimal duty. We serve him 24 hours a day. That's what we're supposed to be. And when he says this word, when he says no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, this gets involved, no one serving as a soldier gets involved, this word involves, some of your translation will say, entangles himself. No one entangles themselves, gets involved where all of a sudden they can't do the job that they were supposed to do. And this is especially with a soldier. Now, I, I look this up, there's a United States Code title, it's 10,892, Article 92, which is specific toward armed forces uh, of dereliction of duty. I mean, dereliction of duty is when they refuse to perform something that they've been asked to do or given orders to do, incapacitated themselves some way, getting drunk, intoxicated, can't perform their duties. Shooting himself is actually in there. That they shoot themselves, which that's happened. What, what's that? Yeah, that they shoot themselves on purpose to get out of doing their duty or vacating their posts. The first time Article 92 was ever used was World War II when two lieutenants bombed Zurich. Now, Zurich is in Switzerland, which 
was neutral, okay? And so they weren't supposed to bomb another country, and they, Article 92, they were court-martialed. Later, the, the, the uh, what do you call it, charges were dropped later on for that. But in the bombing process, they, they, they were doing something that they were not ordered to do. I'll say this quickly. We've seen this recently in the pullout of Afghanistan. I believe a dereliction to do. There should have been a lot of people underneath that Article 92. It's when you don't provide support when you do something against command. And he's telling Timothy, don't get involved. Don't entangle yourself. Almost to the point of, uh, don't allow your weapon to get all caught up because the word entangled literally means to knit together on purpose. You're a soldier for Jesus Christ. Don't allow other distractions to dominate your life. He's not saying don't work for a living. Paul was a tent mate. He's not saying don't have kids and take care of them. Realize that all those things are meant to be in service for God. Your job is meant to be in service for God. I mean, as a friend of mine who I'll just say he makes widgets, his whole attitude in making widgets is the more widgets I make, the more people I can help. He looks at his job as a means to an end. He's taking that job and realizing this is why I do this in order, obviously, to provide for my family, but I can provide for the things of God too. And that changes his attitude when he has to go to work every day and explain the job every day to the people he's hired. Paul knows that a distracted soldier is a dead soldier. Don't get distracted. Don't be preoccupied with things that will take you away from what he has called you to. A good soldier of Christ Jesus refuses to allow earthly matters to interfere with the fulfillment of his duty to the Lord. Remember, he said earlier, he says, you've been saved, but you've been called to something. Don't allow things of this world to entangle you, to, to mess you up, because choosing to follow this way, there's going to be consequences and there's choices to be made. Your goal is to please your commanding officer. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air don't have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. There's cost. He said to another man, follow me. But the man said, Lord, first... Let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. How horrible of Jesus. He wouldn't let the guy go and bury his own dad? Here's the deal. His dad wasn't dead yet. Hey, let me put off. You know, let, let me, I, I got some things to do. I, you know, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to do this, do that. And we keep putting, let, let's keep putting this off. The last guy, still another said, I will follow you. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Do you think it would be an easy thing? Jesus said, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service for the kingdom. Why? Because when you're looking back, what happens to the rows you're trying to make? There's a cost. Peter, 2 Peter 2.20. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were in the beginning. 
as a good soldier, Timothy. Do not allow yourself to get entangled, to be messed up in all these things. Because what a soldier wants to hear from his commanding officer is what? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Matthew 25, 21 said. And this is the thought that I wrote down and I added to it this morning. When you look at your life, when I look at my life, in all its pursuits, is it to bring glory to God or to bring glory to you? I mean, I, I've got a lot of, as I was talking to another guy who's a very busy man, I've got a lot of plates spinning in the air. I mean, obviously, I, I, I mean, and I'm not, obviously, my family, my wife, my kids, that's a play. The church is a play. All right, but I, I've got a music thing, a writing, uh, we got to putting on a blue video we're trying to do, spinning that plate. Uh, I've got a book, and we'll tell you about that some other time, but spinning that plate. And so I got a lot of plates spinning right now. And if you've ever seen that, I gave that to an illustration to a missionary who'd never seen that. So I had to shoot the video to explain it about spinning plates. But you guys know what that is. All right, going this way, oh, wait a minute, this way, and you start. And it's not bad that you have plates split, spinning. It's back to why. Why do you have so many plates? Are the plates that are in the air spinning to bring glory to God or to just to bring glory to you? It says in verse 5 of 2 Timothy, it says, similarly, if I actually said it, well, maybe if I don't think about it, I just read it. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. I had to include this. It's, it's, it's really funny. The only exercise some Christians get is jumping to conclusions, running down their friends, sidestepping responsibility, and pushing their luck. I think that's hilarious. Would we agree to that? It, it sounds almost biblical. And, uh, maybe Third Timothy should say that. Uh, an athlete. And again, Paul would instantly go, and the readers would instantly go to the Greek games, which we call the Olympic Games. It's interesting, those who competed in the Greek games, one, you had to be Greek. You couldn't be half Greek, you had to be full Greek. You had to pr prepare at least for 10 months and then swear before the statue of Zeus that you trained for 10 months before you could compete. And if you competed and you, they found out you were cheating in some way, there were severe consequences to that. Severe. I mean, when you think about it, a Christian needs to be born again. We must be faithful to study, all right? Obedience to his word, and live in accordance to the divine standards that he has set, which he has set. As an athlete, there are rules. Now, I played water polo in high school and college, and there was talk in my college days that they were going to put a ref under the water. Now, not and scuba gear or anything, because some of the most of the pools we had had, had a viewing window down there, which would have destroyed the game because half the game's underwater. I mean, you're trying to disguise what you're doing, yanking and pulling on things that you shouldn't be pulling on things. So to, to get advantage, I mean, I, competing by the rules. But I'm telling you right now, guys, if you think, well, I have the grace of God, there are no rules. I just live by his forgiveness. And I... 
then you haven't read your Bible. Because the Bible has plenty of principles, rules, that we are to live by. Paul's saying, Timothy, if you're going to win, you can't take shortcuts. You can't. My sister and I, when we got together in Texas not too long ago, we were talking about that she was remembering me getting ready for water polo when I'd get dressed in tennis shoes, Levi's and long sleeve shirt, go out in the pool with my water polo ball and just throw it against the wall because I was doing this weeks before practice because I knew we were going to do that in practice. So I was trying to get ahead of the game because I knew what was coming. Getting ready for that day where I'm going to compete, that there were rules I had to follow. I had to learn those things. And Paul said, guys, if you want to compete, you want to win the victor's crown, you have to complete, compete against the, according to the rules. And the scriptures have plenty of rules that we are to compete by. And the problem is when you don't compete by that, that everything falls apart. When you say, well, I'm going to do this, but I, this, this part I really don't believe in. Well, that, you can choose not to believe in it, but this is what God is expecting. This is what God is asking of you, good soldier, of you, athlete, to compete by the rules. So it goes from soldier to athlete, and then it goes to farmer. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. If you're a farmer, you're not lazy, all right? There's no such thing. I mean, I'm sure there are lazy farmers out there, and they're called poor, all right? Because you can't be lazy and be a good farmer. My dad was in the seed and fertilizer business. And, I mean, I would go by driving with him in his truck, and we'd go out by ranches and say, hey, yeah, that, that farmer owes me a million dollars. This guy does this. This guy. I go, uh, and to me, as a young kid, a million? He owes you a million dollars, Dad? He said, it was a rough year for him. Next year he'll catch up. I mean, farmers. I mean, to be a farmer. I, there's a, there was a picture. I wish I would have grabbed this picture. Because it's still, I actually looked to see if it was possibly online. But it was, it was a picture shot out in the Delta. And it was an arrow of you. And what you see is you see a levee of the Delta busted down and the water coming in. And then on this corner of the picture is a guy in a harvester harvesting his corn. And I always let Dad, that's crazy. He says, hey, he's a farmer. He's trying to get as much crop out before it's all fluttered away. Because that's what farmers do. It's an occupation. It's not an occupation for the impatient guys. I mean, when you think about that, when you think of everything that they got to do, the plowing, the planting, the fertilizing, the weeding, the protecting, the harvesting, the storing, the trans transporting. I mean, and there are seasons of that. Obviously, there's things that you just have to wait, and there's the waiting game. But then you got to worry about pests. And then you got to worry about disease, and you got to worry about frost. And you got to worry about all these things. Guy, you. Farmers, if they ain't on their knees, what a business. And it's interesting that he chose the farmer, the hardworking farmer, the one who toils intensely to sweat and strain to the point of exhaustion if necessary. I love calling Sam Town one of our elders because he's a farmer out there. But usually when I call him, he never, he's never picked up because he's on the back of a backhoe digging out something, moving this, changing out this. I mean, he's a busy man. They are not lazy people. And he's saying, Timothy, not only be the soldier, not only be the athlete, it's like the farmer. 
He's intense. He's patient when he needs to be because he's looking at the reward of the harvest. Which is interesting. There's reward in all these because Timothy passed this on to others that can faithfully pass it on. Because for one who enjoys passing on, there's no greater joy than when you see someone passing on what you passed to them. That's a reward. The reward of a soldier hearing their commanding officer say, well done. The reward of an athlete when the trophy is placed in the hand. Or in this case, the reed. The farmer, when the crop comes in, he gets the first share of that. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 3.13, His work will be shown for what it is, because on that day we'll bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, which I love that if, because there's plenty of people, things, people that we've done that will not survive the test of fire. But those that do, he will receive, she will receive a great Being a Christian is not meant to be, I accepted Jesus and then skate. It was never part of this. That's why he continues to say, Timothy, join me in this. Guard this. Entrust this. Pass this on. Be the soldier. Be the athlete. Be like the farmer. Because that day is coming. And I won't forget that. He, he writes at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How many things that we labor at that will never either ever be recognized or known, but there are some things in the labor of the Lord that will last eternity. And I love this last one, verse 7. So Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Reflect. Engage your brain to the things that I've said. And the Lord will come and give you discernment to them. Two vital components. My mind, human thought, and divine, dif, the divine discernment. Remove any one of those. It, it's like a bird with two wings. Remove one, the bird's crashing. Remove the other, bird's crashing. But when they're both engaged, that bird flies. Reflect. Which means, guys, you have to take time to do that. And I will tell you, reflection is not sitting here on Sunday morning. Reflection is when you choose to take time to sit. I, I call it my courtyard time. I love my courtyard. I love my yard. I love, but I got a nice big rocking chair in my courtyard, and I'm there usually early in the morning, in the cool of the day, to reflect on what he has written. But, and I'm not saying this in pride, guys. I'm just saying this is how it works for anybody. It's not a pastor thing. It's not just one special Christian over another Christian. It's a Christian thing that when we take time to engage our brain into what the Lord is telling us, 
and we take the time. It doesn't happen like this. We take time to reflect. God will also meet us there to show you what this means. It's funny, even when I left on vacation, I think uh, when we watched in La Paz, I forgot who said it. He says, well, Tim's away, so that means he's going to come back with some crazy ideas. But, guys, that's usually not where the crazy ideas happen, on vacation. What, and I don't define crazy, but is when I get away just to fast and pray. Because that's all I'm doing. And it's not that, okay, I'm here, start Start discerning for me so I can write this stuff down and get done with it. This is not that way. It's creating opportunity for that. And I want to emphasize this because this is not a Tim thing. When I take time, when I make time, it's just not going to happen. Moms with kids, it's just not going to happen. You're going to have to find the time somewhere. You're going to have to create opportunities. That's what I call it. When people, I've had people come, man, you have so many sitting areas in your yard. I said, exactly. I have no problem sitting and just staring. Because it's usually during those times that ideas, thoughts come. And when I'm sitting there reflecting on God's word, I've been in this mode. I, I, I don't, it may end. I don't know. So I'm just enjoying it as it's going. But I'm sure my family goes on. Oh, another poem from Daddy again today. It just, it, it's just there. And all I'm doing is <clears throat> reading and the word equity in Psalm 96 and Psalm 98 and Psalm 91. And all of a sudden, a poem comes out of that. Whether that's a song, I don't know. Um, but the words just come and, and I just start writing. Um, but that only happens because I've taken the time to reflect. And I promise you, I promise you, when you make time for that, you allow God, you're giving God time to talk to you through His Word. I mean, I, if I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, so, well, God doesn't speak anymore. It's just his word. I don't believe that. I mean, he takes the things that I've read, obviously. It's one scripture in my mind also kicks to another, kicks to another. But I put them there. It's not that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, you know, in Jeremiah 22, verse 3, it says this. Wow, I've never read that before. That's all. He's never done that with me. Maybe he's done that with you, but he's never done that with me. It's when I've read it and go, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. And that leads to this. And all of a sudden, I'm on a rabbit trail. And I love rabbit trails. Not little rabbit trails, but I love rabbit trails. That takes me to this, takes me to this. And all of a sudden, here, and I find this truth, this nugget. But I'd never gotten there unless I started here, going down the trail. That's why James says, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives, what's the word there? Generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to him. 
Few gifts are as important in the ministry as critical discernment and divine wisdom, God. But if you're entangled, if you're choosing not to compete against by the rules, if you were lazy, not done the work, then there will be no reward of God giving you discernment. It's not how it works. God has asked us to engage in that. Keep yourself plugged into God's grace. Timothy, keep growing in that and understanding because you will never get to the bottom of that. You're stewards of this treasure. Give it away. Give it to somebody else. Pass this on. God doesn't want... He's not here to make you comfortable. He's here to grow you up to be like Jesus. So be a good soldier. Please your commanding officer. Don't get interfered with just the entanglements that are there. And if you're going to win, there's no shortcuts. Play by the rules. The farmer, he patiently plows and plants, and he's rewarded for that which grows up. Take time to reflect. Because I promise you, he's going to let you know what this means. It may not be this morning. It may be next week. Because you're continuing to reflect on that. God, I'm still not understanding this passage. How does this, this affect Again, Timothy, hold it high. Guard it well. And pass it on. Father, I thank you for your word and uh, the joy in, in not just studying it, but the truths that are there to help me be a good soldier, to bring you pleasure. Because that's what this does. When we live according to what you call us to, by the rules, by not being lazy, it's to your good pleasure. Father, help us to hold on to this truth. Help us to guard it well, but help us to pass it on. Help us to grow into your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.